Let's pray and let's get into the word this morning. Father, we thank you for this day, a day like no other day. It truly is remarkable, Lord, to think in regards to your reckless love, your love that sent your son here to die for our sins and to rise again on the third day, victorious over sins, Lord. Father, it is a gift that we have that I pray, Lord, we would today somehow, some way, even by this message, seek to treasure the gospel more in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me start off by asking a question. I did this in first service. It went over well, so I'm hopeful for this one. But what are some of the greatest words that have ever entered your ears? Don't answer out loud. It would be really awkward if you did. Um, But think in your head. You know, I'm sure we've all at one time just have heard words that have maybe taken on great meaning, um, maybe even brought us to tears. Uh, You know, it could be your spouse. Maybe it was the first time you heard your boyfriend or girlfriend tell you they love you or they complimented something about you that they adored. Maybe it was a quote from a writer, someone famous, um, you know, a line in a movie or a song, you know, whatever the case is, words are powerful, aren't they? And, and no greater words were ever spoken than that by Jesus Christ himself in John chapter nineteen thirty. One of the greatest things I believe, in my opinion, Jesus ever said was, it is finished. I mean, those words today still give me chills when I think about the, 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 the weightiness of what is finished. <laughs> and my prayer for us is that, well, it's, there's a lot that I have in my heart in terms of prayer this morning and my hopes of what the outcome of this service might be, but... One hope that I have this morning is that the gospel would become more treasured and precious to us. That actually the story of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection wouldn't just be something that's reduced to a day that we celebrate once a year. But to an ongoing celebration that happens Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Now, I know it's Resurrection Sunday, and talking about Jesus' last words at his death, it's not that popular, right? But we're going to get to the resurrection. I mean, there's a lot to be happy, but there's also a lot to think about. And I want to first start to get us thinking about these meaningful words. In John chapter 19, 30, Jesus said, It is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is important to note that Jesus did not say, I am finished. The grave didn't finish Jesus. (laughs) Jesus' mission was finished, but to say I am finished would be to think or to, to kind of add that Jesus died defeated or exhausted when he didn't. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, he meant I have successfully completed the work I've come here to do. When Jesus died, he left no unfinished business behind him. When he said it was finished, he was speaking the truth. 
In other words, when Jesus cried out, it is finished, he meant it was finished in the past, it was finished in the present, and it was finished in the future. So what was finished? Doesn't, hopefully you're asking yourself that this morning. I'm sure for many of us here, you can fill in the blank and, and, and draw your own conclusions. But let's just read into record this morning what exactly is finished at Jesus' death. The Greek word translated, it is finished, is a word I can't pronounce. It's actually, it's actually telistia, which is an accounting term. It means paid in full. When Jesus said it is finished, he was declaring the debt owed to his father was wiped away completely. Now, it wasn't Jesus' debt. Let's not be confused, right? Uh, Jesus eliminated debt. The debt mankind owed God, the debt of sin. You know, sometimes to cherish the beauty of Jesus' resurrection, you have to look at the ugliness of our own depravity. Because it was our sin that placed Jesus there. Yours and mine. Just prior to the rest of Jesus by the Romans, Jesus prayed his last public prayer, asking for the Father to glorify him, just as Jesus had glorified the Father on the earth. And he concludes with this, I have finished the work you have given me to do in John 17, verse 4. First, the work that God sent Jesus to do is found in Luke chapter 9, verse 10. To seek and save the lost. Again, to provide an atonement for the sins of all who would ever believe in him. That's Romans chapter 3, 23 through 25. Jesus' finished work included the reconciliation of sinful men to a holy God. Regardless of how you feel about it today, in the eyes and in the theology of the Gospels, that's exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to reconcile a very unruly, unholy people to a very holy, holy God. Jesus was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sin against them. And then... In 2 Corinthians, we're told that we also have the ministry of reconciliation. And no other than God in the flesh could accomplish this. Couldn't be something that we could do. It had to be God himself. Jesus also completed the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies, symbols and foreshadowings of the coming Messiah. From Genesis to Malachi, there are over 300 specific prophecies detailing the coming of the anointed one. All fulfilled by Jesus. What was it, like 33 years? Three years in full-time ministry? I mean, this guy has a tremendous track record. The redemption of mankind is the most important finished work that Jesus finished. The sufferings that Jesus endured while on earth, and especially in his last hours, were at last over. God's will For Jesus was accomplished and completed in his perfect obedience to the Father. But most importantly, guys, this morning, what we want to remind ourselves of is that the power of sin in Satan was finished. No longer would mankind have to suffer, suffer, excuse me, the flaming arrows of the evil one. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. 
But you know what? The death of Christ is not the end of Christ. It's not the end of the story. And it's certainly not what we're celebrating today. Although we're reflecting and reminding ourselves of it. The death of Christ was just the beginning, the foundation of everything that God does for his followers. You can say amen to that. I got the golf clap. All right, we're waking up back there. Now, sometime after Jesus spoke his last words, we know as the story tells us in the gospel that he was placed in a tomb. And those that yelled crucify him, those who plotted his death, thought they did away with Jesus. They still think they've done away with Jesus. That they've put an end to this nuisance and his nonsense. Excuse me. But no one took Jesus' life. No one. It's not hard to figure out that Jesus voluntarily laid down his life. Nobody took it from him. And I believe it's because nobody took Jesus' life that it actually gives him the power to break out of the tomb. Because he wasn't forced in the tomb in the first place. He went there because of love. Love for you, love for me. Jesus let himself be labeled and harassed, blackballed and scorned, shoved and even killed. Listen to John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. Jesus says this, I lay down my life that I may take it up. Does it hit any? Like, that's just a manly thing to say. (laughs) Take my life? I lay it down. And I have the authority to take it back up. He goes on, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it back up again. Whoa. God, give me that kind of boldness. No one can keep Jesus down because no one ever knocked Jesus down in the first place. We would be mistaken to think of the story any other way. Jesus voluntarily laid down his life for the sins. He became a ransom for the sins of many. And he laid it down when he was good and ready to lay it down. But you know what's awesome about the time that Jesus was in the grave? He didn't stop working. Jesus got a lot accomplished in the dark. I imagine that those who put Jesus there probably thought, oh, we've buried him for good. We've done away with this nuisance, you know. But Jesus is doing something even in death. He says in Mark chapter 4, 26 and 27, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The world thinks, even now and even then, that they did away with Jesus. They think that they got rid of his word. Finally, Jesus in the dust of irrelevant antiquities. Jesus was at work in dark places, though. Listen to John chapter 12, 24. Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears 
fruit. Jesus is at work in dark places, right? Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth, that's what he says, and dies, it remains alone. And, but let me just try to bring our, our you know, kind of thoughts here. Jesus let himself be buried. Remember, that's what he said in the Gospel of John. No one takes my life away from me. I lay it down. And, and Jesus will decide when he comes out of the grave where and when he pleases. And his hands, meanwhile, in that grave were at work producing uh, fruit made in the dark. Now, some of you guys, you're like, what is he talking about? Fruit, graves, darkness, my, my goodness. And it goes right over your head. But for some of us, this hits us in our core. This really speaks volumes. Because some of us, some of our salvation was and is and remains the fruit of what Jesus did that day in the grave. My life is a result of fruit. Bared in darkness. Jesus going into the earth. Acts chapter 2, 24. Here Peter says, God raised him up, losing the pangs of death. Because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Oh, another scripture verse just gets you like brave heart. You know, just like... Ah! You know who else has this promise? We do. We'll get there. For centuries, the world has given it their best shot in silencing Jesus. But they can't bury him. They can't hold him. And his enemies, even today, cannot silence him. Millions of people all over the globe are celebrating Jesus today. And much like his resurrection, God is a master at pulling off the impossible. Think about China, a country closed to the gospel. But even though it's closed to the gospel, God finds it fit to save 50 million people in China without the aid of Western missionaries. Our God can move mountains. Have you ever thought about this? Christians are the only people on the planet who are able to taunt death. That's remarkable. What peace we have. Jesus said himself, to die is to gain, right? It's the reason why Paul in Romans chapter 1 can say, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, Where is your victory? What a peace we have in Jesus. What assurance we have. Jesus being the first of many. And you can't do away the actual facts of Jesus' resurrection. Because over 555 people gave witness to Jesus' resurrection. And although this world may try to bury the voice of those witnesses, there is a church emerging in the earth that are very much caught up in the story of Jesus' resurrection and are very much at peace and are very much in their hearts saying, death, where is your sting? Death becomes just another day for the Christians. (laughs) Only a Christian has 
the ability to handle worry and anxiety in a certain kind of graceful way. Tim Keller says this, and what's this guy quoting Tim Keller for? I like him. I like to read him. I can't listen to him. Sorry, guys. If you like, tries me crazy. I'm like, Tim, come on, dude. Just give me a book. Thank God for Tim Keller. He says this. Think about the power of death for a minute. Let's just take two seconds. Think, think about it. Think about the power of death. It's a very powerful force in the earth. Close your eyes. Let's just go there in our minds. Okay, enough with the awkward movement. Nothing can stop death, right? Nothing. No human being can stop death. No power of decay. No second law of thermodynamics. Don't even know what that means, but Tim wrote it, so we're going with it. (laughs) Even the mountains can't stop death. The mountains eventually get worn down to pebbles. Even the sun and the stars can't stop death. They, too, burn out and go to decay. Christians can uh, taunt death, excuse me, because Jesus came and overmatched death. Jesus was swallowed up by death, and he exploded in the bowels of death. Jesus Christ, well, he didn't just defy death, he just didn't deny death, but he destroyed it. For us, for you, for me. Death is just another day. Oh, death, where is your sting? Let me have those words on my mouth, my dying days. Where is your sting, death? That's why Christians can have cancer in their body and be on their deathbed, but have such peace in their heart. (laughs) It's us who are traumatized. It's us who are saddened. Oh. Hmm. I still have an hour and a half, right? (laughs) Let this serve as a reminder for us who are caught up in the smallness of this world. We are but sojourners. There is actually something better than this. We're but passing by this momentary affliction. We're yet just traveling through, not making our home on this earth, but living for another kingdom, storing up treasures for another kingdom. Oh, let the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection remind us that we are foreigners. In closing, there's one more thing that Jesus finished on the cross completely, completely. There's one more thing that Jesus assures us by his resurrection And that is the promise of new life. You see, for us who are saved, we have this eternal promise in Christ that this is not it. Death, where is your sting? We live with this weird kind of peace. And for others who may not name the name of Christ, there's something for you too. 
And that same thing was given to me somewhat 18 years ago. And that is called new life. You see, there's eternal hope that we have, and there's a hope that we have now because of Jesus. Jesus can take your life of transgressions and sins and transform them. There's not a lot that we can put our trust in, our hope in, on this side of eternity. It almost seems like everything is faulty and everything has holes in it, but lesson to me tonight, this morning actually, I'm already dreaming of tonight. <laughs> there is nothing more ironclad than the promises Jesus fulfilled on the cross and that Jesus fulfilled in his resurrection. So for you who name the name of Jesus, for you who love Christ tonight, oh, be reminded of a great hope that awaits you. If you do not name the name of Christ, you are not a believer. You do not see Jesus as worthy of your life. Oh, there's hope for you too. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for the life of Christ and the reminder that we have today, Resurrection Sunday. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that for the believers here, that they, we would treasure you more, that we wouldn't treat Easter as just a day that happens in the year calendar, Father, but I pray, Lord, that every Sunday would be a celebration of the resurrected Son of God, and that through that celebration, we would savor and cherish and treasure Jesus deeply because we know what we've been spared from. And we know the hope that awaits us. For those who do not name the name of Christ, I ask that the Holy Spirit would pull on their hearts now. God, I have done what I could to preach your word. But Lord, only you can finish the work. And so Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, move on the hearts of those who do not name the name of Christ. That today, Father, they would come into that relationship. They would come with their sins and transgressions and lay them down at the feet of the cross, making the Lord the Savior of their lives. Jesus, it's twofold. I want to close with this. I'm going to remain here. I'm not going to do um, what is familiar. I'm not going to do an altar call. I'm not going to ask like I did in first service. <laughs> For anybody who is bearing witness to the truth and may have wanted to give their life to Jesus, I'm not going to ask for that, but I'm going to remain right here, the closure of this service. And if it's you, if you're here, and this morning you feel the tug of God on your heart, I would ask you, I would more than ask you, I would beg you to respond to the tug. And if you have that tug this morning, I'd like to talk with you and pray with you probably one of the most important prayers that you will ever pray in your entire life.
But for the sake of not making this too awkward, we're going to conclude here. Hilltop Church, I love you. My desire for you this morning is that every Sunday would be Easter Sunday. And that in your hearts and lives, you would trust, treasure, and savor, savor the presence and the person of Jesus deeper. If you're new here for the first time, we'd like to invite you to stop by the info center. Nothing too intrusive. Maybe just um, your social security number. Um, men, there's a lot of single ladies over there. Just saying, you know, um, even if you want to give them a wrong number. Uh, but we're going to conclude. Guys, have a great day. Feel free to chat and just be the church and love one another as we conclude. Amen.